Hello, Oasis. We are so excited uh, to bring the podcast back to you today. Uh, but I just want to take a quick second and reintroduce some of the people at our table. So first off, my name's Emily. Um, I am... Welcome, Emily. Hey, Hello. Emily. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I am one of the pastors here. And then to my right is... Uh, I'm Brennan. And so I'm the college young adult pastor. Get to help lead with Oasis. Lucky. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm back. We're back. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm also excited. It's been a long time since I've been on the podcast. Mm. My name is Ben Geaton, and I'm the former College and Young Adult Pastor. Welcome back, Ben. Uh, it's been a couple years. I now multiplication networking pastor, and if you want to know what that is, ask Brandon or Emily. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to look up Grace Point's website and then click on Ben, read the jot. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you can find it's it. good to be here. It's good to be back. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be good. We're super excited. Uh, our podcast has kind of been out for about six to nine months, so... We are kicking off, and one of the topics we are kicking off is something I'm really passionate about. And so some of you, if you know my story, I have lived, in the past six months, I've lived in three different states. Mm, and so crazy, very, very, very confusing. Um, but community is kind of a huge topic for me. And what does it look like to build your community over and over again? And I think as college students, we're in and out. We move to Brookings, move away from Brookings. As young adults, we are navigating life post-college when we all live in the same building and see each other 24-7. <laughs> and so just kind of this topic of community. And so when we even look post-COVID, three in five Americans, according to the National Institute of Health, admit being chronically lonely. We are consistently surrounded by people, yet we struggle to engage in meaningful relationships and conversations. Mm -hmm. And so kind of just asking this question, why does community matter? Yeah. That is a, that's a, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the, the question, question right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think even what you just said there is, it's so easy to hear statistics and lose what that actually means, yeah. right? Three and five people or hey, 60% or whatever. Like these are people. And for many of you, this is probably part of your story is feeling somewhat lonely, feeling somewhat lost, right? Every week at Oasis, I'll meet someone who's struggling with something along these lines where they're trying to make friends. They're trying to find their space. They're trying to feel like they belong somewhere. Like this is just really real, not just for the people listening, but for us at the table. And so we have experience, but we can dive into some scripture and start with that and, and why community is so essential to who we are as people. And it would start right at the beginning. Right at the beginning. I I go back to Genesis 1, 2, and 3 almost every week for different reasons. And I don't even I don't even know why for sure I always land there. I just think God's Spirit leads me there consistently to remember. And so Genesis 1, 26, we see God in himself is community. God says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And the beauty of what's happening there is God is creating out of community that he is the Trinity. He is Father, Son, Holy Spirit all together, perfectly in balance. It's an incredible, incredible piece of doctrine that our God is not, he's not isolated. He's not lonely. He has community in himself, yet he created out of the beauty of that community and he invites us into community. Yeah. And being made in his image means that we are also meant to resemble that community. So when we don't have that, things are broken. Yeah, That's the hard part. That's, yeah. that's kind of where this conversation yeah, starts, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, isolation is the start of not living into why you were created, mm. right? It's like, okay, so you have the Trinity in perfect community, doesn't need us, yet chose out of love to create us and invite us into that community to experience the wholeness, the beauty, the love that he has experienced throughout the eternity. Is like, hey, I love you, and I want you to be a part of this goodness. And so when we're isolated, we're choosing either by our choice or base of circumstances to not live into why were we created. 
And you want to look Genesis 1, 2, 3. Genesis 2, God says it's not good for yeah, man. man to be alone. Yeah. And you see the first time in the Garden of Eden, which everything is perfect, God finds something that's not not quite perfect, and he tries to address that issue. Then you go to Genesis 3, right? And the first in, the first result of, of sin is shame, right? And that's really easy to point to. They put on the fig leaves. But God shows up, and he asks the question, where are you? Yeah. And they're hiding, yeah. right? They've, they've distanced themselves in community from their, fa- their heavenly father. They used to walk hand in hand with God. They knew no shame. There was no sin. In perfection, they walked in community with each other and with God. And the second result of sin is now distance, loneliness, isolation, and hiding. Yeah. And you're like, Pff. oh man, that is that is tough. So, so that's why community is important. And we could keep going. And I think too, it's good to know, like no matter your personality, mm-hmm. no matter how you gain energy, whether it's from other people yeah. or from being alone, no matter if you're an extrovert or introvert, like community is part of how you're created so good, and man. you need it. And so we're, we're kind of moving today to this question of what does it look like us to forge community? Yeah, super good. You want to go first? And it ha- well, it has to be forged, right? Because there's a That's reality good. where community, it is not ever handed to you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, if those of you who are listening, if you're college students, you are in the season of life where even still community is not handed to you, yet it's one of the aspects or seasons of life that it's the easiest to at least go find, oh, but yeah. you still have to go get it. You still have to forge it. Uh, and so it starts first and foremost with like, just recognize where you're at, the people around you uh, in the location and start in finding people there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you said college students. And I think that's an easy one to point to of, okay, it should be easier, but it's still hard. It's still hard. Young adult life. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Throwing marriage and kids in too. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. And, but people have the assumption that marriage and kids equals community. No. They do though. People have that assumption. Oh, yeah, and I'm, I'm, and yeah. So then they find, you know, they find their significant other, mm-hmm. and you can see even in some of the American, like how we structure our homes, the way we value privacy, how we incubate ourselves yeah. into our sense of a family mm-hmm. community. But young adult family, like it's still a struggle. It's yep. probably harder. I think it is as harder. you get older yeah. in different ways. Um, but yeah, location is huge. Yeah. Proximity. What do we think about? And this is a question I wrestle with personally. So proximity matters, right? It's easier to be in relationship with people who are close to you, right? You said Jenny Allen's book is the five mile radius rule. Mm-hmm. And and explain that first before I ask my question. Yeah. So Jenny Allen has a book called Find Your People and she is from Dallas and Dallas is a huge city. So even if you live maybe eight miles, it could take you maybe 30 mm. minutes to get to your friend's yeah. house. And so the idea is when you're in crisis, you need someone that can get to your house quickly. Yeah. No, that's super good. What do we think about the idea of like maintaining friendships across location? Because I think that's what comes into a lot of college student, young adult relationships is I had my best friends in high school, but now I go to college in a different place. Or I had my best friends in college, but we now live spread out across the United States. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the question of how do we continuously build community because we need it so bad. I think I think proximity is always going to be the healthiest aspect of mm. from what you get from it. I think there has to be a aspect in your life when you change seasons, you need to change expectations. Mm. Because we don't want to because what we know if it's good, if you if you've experienced good community and it's been great and healthy and encouraging and you spurred each other on toward loving good deeds and and you've had that kind of relationship, you're not going to want to change what that relationship looks like, but seasons demand the change. Therefore, expectations have to change. Mm-hmm. And so can you still have community with them? Yes. You have to know it's going to and should be different yeah. than what you experienced during that one season when you met them or grew, grew with life in them. So then life with them. for Emily, I mean, three states in six yeah. months. Yeah. And you've got 
you know, your hometown friends, your college friends, your residency friends, like how are you feeling that in the midst of now being here for two months or so? I've definitely learned the expectation thing. And so my closest friends live in Australia and New York. (laughs) And so we're even navigating what does it look like time zone wise? Because I think she's 14 hours ahead of us. And so we have to adjust expectations because I can't expect Eden to just pick up my phone call. She would because she's that type of friend. Mm -hmm. But I have to adjust my expectations and the people that are close to me. And I need people that can learn my culture and how I live like I need people that know what it's like to live in Brookings, South Dakota, yeah. uh, who know what it's like to attend Grace Point and Eden and Hallie, they can't do that. And though they empathize with that, I need people that can be be in the trenches with me. And yeah. so I think I've had to learn um, to trust the process and growing that like since I've been here for two months, um, but still prioritizing that as well. Yeah. And I'm going to stretch that answer a little bit, just both of you, because I think you can apply it to the way church is functioning nowadays. Right, what you talk about online church and church in person, right? You got online church, which is all of the good elements of church without the proximity of people in a lot of senses, without the close knit, the rubbing of shoulders, living in the same context. Whereas you can do that and it's great for a season. It's great for specific needs for specific people for but eventually you gotta get yourself back in the church building. Yep. You gotta find a local co- context in which you can live and interact and connect with people. And so when you're in a season of transition, right, you're here Mm -hmm. two months for this season, right? You still have those friends, right? And you can still connect with those people and that might do great for a season, but eventually you got to find people who have proximity to you to be able to rub shoulders together, to live life like hand in hand, that kind of stuff. I think it's necessary even for a season because Mm. if you don't at least have some consistency, which has to change because your expectations should change, in those relationships, there's this, there is that like the, the land between moment mm-hmm. where to not ha- to just cut off when you leave and then to try to forge and find the community when you're in your new location, you are literally isolated alone, but also you can help each other like create healthy expectations and also help each other not feel bad because the relationship isn't the same anymore. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest struggles that I experienced changing seasons and having to change what community and friendships look like is I felt bad because I wasn't a good friend anymore. I thought I wasn't a good friend because it didn't look the same. I didn't call them as often. We weren't having the same. It didn't mean I was a bad friend. It just means our seasons changed yeah. and context changed, and that's okay. That's good. What would you guys then say, like, so I'm trying to build my community with people that are here and around me. How do I go about inviting people that might look a bit different than me or have a different mm. personality than me? This was my <laughs> biggest hiccup becoming a young adult. Mm. I felt like for all of my life, I hung out with people who were very, very, very similar to me. I grew up in a big city with a big high school where there was plentiful amounts of people. And so I could easily find people who were like me. So elementary school, middle school, high school, all my friends were athletes. They were guys. We were semi-popular, funny, charismatic, all that, right? I got to college, same thing. Big university, lots of people, same thing. When I graduated college and many of my friends left, I found myself in the same context, but with radically different people. And I had all of these preset assumptions of what I needed in a friend that didn't fit anymore. And I had to really peel those things back and decide what do I truly want and need in friends. And it was very little of what I had previously expected. I don't need them to love sports. I don't need them to watch The Office. I don't need them to make me laugh all the time. What I really needed was someone who loved Jesus, who could care for me, and I could care for them. And that looked really, really, really different than I'd ever experienced before. 
and and part of that was I started to accept invitations that I wouldn't have previ- previously accepted. When certain people would reach out to grab coffee or grab lunch or hang out, I wouldn't say I would would have said no, but it wouldn't have been my first like gut yes. And then all of a sudden, like I started to get myself in those places and there was definitely a learning curve, right? I had to be able to grow and adapt to that. Um, and But now it's like, I look back and I, I recognize the things I didn't when they were first asking. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's good. That's so. super good. It goes the other way too, is like, and how you offer invitation. Absolutely. Because we do have bias, period. Mm-hmm. We have judgments automatically before you have a conversation with someone just by how they look. They may remind you of someone from 10 years ago that you had a terrible, whatever it would be, we have these judgments. And so it's reframing, rechanging, like understanding I have a judgment about this person. I have a bias. And so immediately what I want to do, if I have this certain bias or judgment, that's a negative thing toward them, even though I don't know them is I won't invite them into mm-hmm. life. And so it's, I have to change. Okay. I may have this bias, but I don't know them yet. Yeah. So it's just rechange. So offer invitation, get to know them and then make a decision. Super good. I think some of the most rewarding moments I've had in community came from college. This is how I met my best friend, Hallie, who lives in New York. We were in our same like grad program and we thought everybody in that program was weird. And we were like, <laughs> we do not like these people. And then and after, about a year, <laughs> after about a year, we realized, oh, maybe we're being a bit prideful. <laughs> so we gave them a chance. And what we saw, I think it goes back to like Genesis one, like God made mankind in his image. And when we had friends that were different than us and had different interests than us, like we saw the Trinity in our community mm. and in our relationships. That's so good. One of the most rewarding gifts I've ever had. And there's the the caveat there. And I love that part of your story where it didn't happen right away. Yeah. And it didn't happen right away for me. And it didn't happen right away for you. And it's probably not happening right away for anybody listening. There is a slow cooker relationship of friendship that, that takes time, right? Another stat is it was 90 hours to build a strong friendship. When you think about that, that's, that yeah. that's a long, long, long time. If you time. hung out one hour a day, that's three months. Yeah, exactly. And you don't hang out one hour a day with new people. No. Because that's weird. And that I feels think weird. Part of the reason, you know, when you go to a fall retreat with Oasis or a mission trip that's with Oasis so or yeah, you, you come weird. on a weekend event or you yeah, sp- yeah, yeah. when you show up in a place mm. for a long period of time, yeah. you stack those hours so and good. friendships really exponentially so grow. Good. So we have people right now who I can think of who are on the ministry team, who are in small groups, who show up on Sunday nights, who attend every event. And I can tell you they've made community easier than some of the other people who just attend on Sunday nights and sit in the back, don't really talk to anybody. And part of that might be invitation. It might be openness and willingness. It might be boldness. It might be where the Spirit's leading. And some of it is just consistency over time. Just choosing it. You're just showing up. You're just there. Mm-hmm. That's that's really that's key. So we've been looking at the question of how do we forge community? But maybe for our people that feel like they already have a community, how do we make sure that we keep it and that we keep it well? Yeah, I mean, showing up consistently, right? It's it's no one wants a flaky friend. Um, showing up when it's hard. Uh, this feels tough. I think, it's, especially for me, I've noticed it's tough in the beginning of relationships um, because you're still uh, building trust. Mm. And trust takes time. Sometimes you, you give a little here and there. We're going through this book called trust. And we're all like, <laughs> we were just in a deep conversation today oh, yeah. um, uh, about it, which is really great, but that takes time. So it's even like sometimes making a really hard choice to stay consistent and to show up when it maybe even intellectually or in your mind doesn't make sense to show up, but you're starting to build, build the community. You have it. You have these friends mm-hmm. keep showing up, stay consistent. In it. Yeah. I'm in this season of life where everyone around me is having babies and it's, 
kudos to them. That's amazing. Uh, it, it's great. I'm not there yet, right? Like I'm just not. My wife and I we're not we're not we're not doing the whole baby thing yet. And part of the re- thing we're wrestling with with some of our friends is just this consistency. When you have babies, it changes your life. It, it radically changes. And we don't blame our friends for that at all, but we're seeing some of this. It is harder to keep com- community with some of these friends because they have other priorities now. And they can't on a Tuesday night drop everything to come to a Jack's basketball game. And they can't on a Friday night every single week go do movie night or go out to eat. They just they don't have that flexibility. And so when you lose some of that consistency, for whatever reason, whether it's babies or it's school or it's work or it's travel or whatever your reason is, just know that does ultimately play into yeah. how that friendship develops. Mm-hmm. That's good. And I think with consistency, like we have to choose to deal with the hard things well. Mm-hmm. And I think because we are people, we are going to run into conflict. It's just how life is. And One of the things Jenny Allen says in her book, Find Your People, is that we have to love our people enough to fight for them. So how do we how do we fight for people? Well, yeah, it's the first episode back. So I'm trying to decide how aggressive to be. Let's go aggressive. (laughs) (laughs) I think there is people listening just based on what I know about people that you're holding on to petty things Mm. that are keeping you from friendship. We and, and I get it maybe hurt you and I get their struggle in it. But friendships are so valuable. And if we think about anything that's valuable, we will do anything in our power to get that which is valuable. But for some reason, the enemy has tricked us and he puts these things in our path with a relationship that will throw away relationships left and right for the silliest and stupidest of reasons. And so there's some things, don't hear me wrong, there's some things where they, there's been wounding and pain and, and hardship and they've done you wrong where you need to seek other community and you need to find, and you might be need to set up some really good boundaries. And there's probably many things where we need to seek reconciliation and we need to humble ourselves and we need to prayerfully approach people and we need to ask for forgiveness and we need to, to, to apologize. We need to, we need to seek reconciliation because I think that friendships are too valuable to throw away over the many things I, or I've seen other people throw friendships away for. And I see it on the other end too, Yeah, as well as we choose to hang on to friends that we should have dropped a long time ago because we know how lonely it is and how hard mm. it is to find the community. Okay. And so it's a little bit of like redefining and having healthy expectations on what do I look for in a friend? We talk a lot about in dating, what do you look for in that partner? Yeah. What are you looking for in a friend? Yeah. Cause there are things and, and, and some, th- some of those things are really petty yeah. that you want to have that, that aren't really necessary, but some of those things are really important that we've decided not to have because we have close yeah. relationship or a friendship and there's some friends in our life that we just need to change what the relationship looks like. Yeah. No, that's And on episode 1 <laughs> back, we have yet yet again. Emily, you're you're kind of you're kind of new to this thing. Welcome to the podcast. But welcome to the podcast where we give no definitive <laughs> answers, but only polar extremes and then invite you to live in the gray, which is the that is the life of a disciple of Jesus. But it's so true, it's man. Very true. Relation people are messy and relationships are messy. And so when we get into relationships, you're gonna have the polar extreme where yeah, that person has straight up been a part of your trauma story mm-hmm. and they they need serious boundaries and maybe no relationship at all. And then there's people where it's like, Hey, you wore the same nail polish color as me, <laughs> and so we are done. Right? You root for the Eagles and I'm a Dallas fan, and so that's it. It's like, come on. Like, why we do that kind of stuff? We have to be able to overcome. So find find yourself in the middle. Seek peace. Pray for you. (laughs) Hey, speaking of prayer, speaking of prayer, what does it look like um, to intentionally pray for our friends? Yeah, I think Ben did a 
at, at the point this this comes out, I don't know exactly when we're going to release this one, but Ben did a sermon on praying for the for intercession. Yeah. And I think Jesus' passage in John 17 where he's praying, and he says, I pray for the ones you've given me, mm-hmm. and that prayer list idea of who are your people and what does it look like for you to intercede for them. And I, I think it was in your message. I'm trying to recall all these things, but you got to know what they need. Mm-hmm. Being a good friend is being attuned to the needs of your people. Like, do you have a deep enough connection? Do you actually go beyond the surface level often enough where you know what they're struggling with, what they're wrestling with? Do you ask honestly and openly, how can I pray for you? Because it's easy to throw up abstract prayers that's like, God bless them, hope they have a good day. But like, are you praying for what's really going on in their life and partnering with the Spirit's work in their life? That's a powerful prayer. Yeah, because at some point, real community actually gets down to the nitty gritty of life. Um, we want to keep things superficial or on a surfacey level because it's easier and that's not really full true community. True community is when you get to the moments of, because you showed up consistently and they showed up with you consistently, we're like, oh, we're actually sharing life together. So things will just either naturally come out because conflict happens or come out because you're trusting and there's a vulnerability and you want to offer and share and, and take that risk to share the, share life with with people. And so in that, write those things down. Remember those things. As you rub shoulders with people consistently, you will, those things will come up. Well, I heard someone say it once, when you only have friends in the good time, those aren't friends, those are cheerleaders. And when you only have friends in the bad times, those aren't friends, those are mourners. Friends are with you in, yeah, in, in all, good. right? Like you can't just have people at the highs. And and yes, you desperately need people at the lows, but if they won't ride with you through it all, yeah. then they're probably not friends. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who yeah. maybe do both. Yes. Both extremes totally. and in the middle. So we've been looking at this question of why do I need friends, but I want to take it one step further. Why do I specifically need a community that's Christian? Yeah, why don't you go for it? Yeah, Emily, you got it. I was oh, going to say the same okay. thing. Okay. Uh, throw it at her. Get it. All right. Well, my youth pastor would always shove Proverbs thirteen twenty down my throat. <sighs> he would go walk with the wise and become wise. A companion of fools suffers harm. And so I think like first and foremost, we need to walk with people that make good decisions. Mm-hmm but we also need to walk with people that are going to help us worship God. And a lot of my story is going through a year where it was really hard to see Mm, God. It was just really hard to feel his presence, to understand what was happening in my life. Um, But I had really good friends who they would share with me what God was doing in their life, not to rub it in, but to just invite me to see that God was still working. Mm. They would pray for me consistently. They were always checking in. And it's because of them that I can look back on that year and say that God was faithful, even when I didn't see him moving. Mm. Yeah, that's good. That's so good. I think it rolls right off of what we were just talking about. Jesus is the example of a perfect friend. If Jesus showed up today and I had to pick one friend, you guys are all getting the boot. But that's because... (laughs) He didn't like that. I, I, my heart hurts. <laughs> but like he just, he loved so well. And so when we see Jesus model, well, we got to want that. And the people who are wanting that alongside of us are also like your brothers and sisters in Christ are the people who are pursuing Jesus in their brokenness. Right. Part of this conversation is even as Christians, your friends are still going to wound you and they're still going to make you, it's, it's not going to be perfect. But yet those are the people who are pursuing Christ likeness, who are experiencing his sanctification, who are growing in his maturity and his love. And those are the people you want to lock arms with because yeah. they're the best friends. I mean, just even like you said, the example of like, Jesus was the greatest friend, but he also showed us that he needed friends. Mm. Like if the person who is God himself came into the flesh to die for us, to show us how it means to live life. And if we follow in his pace and follow his, his rhythms, yeah. he had community. 
He had different circles of community. You look at the kingdom of God, the smallest indivisible number when it comes to relationships and just people is two. There's not one time alone where one person is, should be doing one thing. Yeah. It's either one with God or even when Jesus sends out the, the 72, you're going to go two by two. Yep. The Trinity is three. Yeah. It's never just one by It's three people. Like there's always aspects where Jesus himself as the example was like he had people. Three in moments of his either really hard ministry moments when he had to go raise a girl, he brought three people with him. When he's going to the Garden of Gethsemane to go pray, like, mm-hmm. take this cup from me, but your will be done. But I need three people alongside of me just to be with me in this moment. Uh, and he brought people with him because he needed a relationship and friendship. I think, I mean, we're we're going now, but like on the back of that, that those are hard moments. Mm-hmm. But think of the best moments yeah. too. When yeah. he has the Mount of Transfiguration, who's yeah. there? Three. The three. Same three. He invites into the best of moments yeah. some of the, his closest friends too. So it's it's valleys and it's mountains. It's yeah. and Jesus is good. I mean, we're commanded to if we're going to spur one another one another on towards love and good deeds. Yeah. Paul says, continue meeting together for sure. Yeah. So, well, so friends, we love friends. Friends, of friends, friends are great. Forever. Hey. We needed we needed you to <laughs> sing on the episode back. <laughs> Emily's gonna sing on the next episode back, so tune in. All right. Well, oh, wait, wait. The real question is before we end: Is this episode one with the rebrand, or do we build? And is it episode one hundred twenty-eight thousand or whatever we have? Get in have. the comments. No, <laughs> we'll let Emily make the decision. So you will find out next week if we're doing episode two or episode one hundred sixty-four. Are we almost? 80? No, I don't know what number we're on. Oh, that's but. All right. Sounds great. Well, we'll see you next week. Peace. Bye.